0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Mafia podcast, and this is going to be our first of many weekly recaps, essentially what we're going to do today, go through game by game and just give you the uh, passing, rushing, receiving leaders, a few fantasy-relevant notes, and other generic notes based on us watching the game. I'll mention the target leaders a few times because that's relevant for a few of these teams. So uh, th- that's the goal here is to just give you a, kind of a recap breakdown of each game from week one. Obviously not the Monday Night Football games. We still got two games tonight that we're look for- looking forward to. But my name is Jordan Jaika, a.k.a. Dr. Fantasy. Here are my co-hosts today, Apex. So uh, we're ready to rock and roll. I know I had an exciting week one. Um I had a really nice, how was your week one? How was it? You're going to win most of your matchups. At it. Um,
1: I think I'm more in the middle. I, I would probably say I'm, I'm going to lose a little bit more than I'm going to win. So uh, I'll have to, you know, kind of see which are the important ones that I'm going to get the win in. But, uh, you know, best ball, I feel like I mean, some of my guys were, were doing pretty well. So, you know, hopefully I got a good start with week one there. <laughs>
0: Yep, And uh, I know there's so many people, even in our group chats, that are already overreacting to week one, crying about (laughs) going 0-1. It's a marathon, not a sprint, people. So uh, week one's not the end of the world, but we're going to kick it off with Thursday night football here, since we uh, didn't really get an opportunity to recap this game. So the Chiefs did win 34-20 on opening night. The Texans' leading passer was obviously Deshaun Watson with 253 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. David Johnson had 11 carries for 77 yards and a touchdown. Added another 32 through the air as well. Will Fuller was the leading receiver. Had a really nice game uh, for uh, this game. We'll see if he can last the whole season. I know he has a lot of potential if he does. Will Fuller had 8 receptions, 112 yards, and led the team in targets with 10. On the Chiefs' side, Patrick Mahomes had 211 yards and 3 touchdowns. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had a very impressive rookie debut with 25 carries 138 yards and a touchdown and then Sammy Watkins was our leading receiver with seven receptions 82 yards and a touchdown led the way with nine targets as well Kelsey and Tyreek Hill not huge games but both of them kind of saved it with a touchdown so 50 yards for Kelsey 46 for Tyreek Hill and that score so that saved the day I know as a Tyreek Hill owner that uh Touchdown reception was clutch for me. So, Apex, uh, what are your notes on this game? Uh,
1: well, it, it feels like Kansas City just kind of cruised in this one, man. They, you know, Mahomes, you said at 200 yards and three touchdowns. He just felt like, you know, they started pretty hot, uh, and, and then it was just... Cruising to the finish line. So Mahomes kind of puts in an average day. Uh, you know, Watson was pretty, you know, stopped for most of the game until a little bit of garbage time. But, you know, I, I still don't like talking about garbage time because uh, if it's within the 60 minutes and the teams are still trying to win, that's not garbage time to me. But, um, man, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he showed out. He uh he leads the league in rushing right now, so that is uh really cool for him. Pretty sure he's also the only one that went over a hundred. I don't think anybody uh Josh Jacobs I don't close. Yeah, Jacobs and McCaffrey, I don't know if Malcolm Brown did it last night, but uh I think over a hundred rushing yards, I think he's the only one. So that was a nice start for him. Uh you know, Watkins stood out to me. I I'm hoping he can have a little bit more consistency. Because uh, he did this last year too. He had the big week one, and then just kind of disappeared. And so you know, people are going to go and put him in their lineups, and then they're going to be disappointed next week. Uh, so, so that's my fear. At least uh, I don't want that to happen. I, I'm feeling like if he can just maintain a little bit of consistency, he can be a really good number two. Uh, I was a little bit a little bit disappointed with with Hardman's usage I was kind of hoping Hardman would get used more but it seems like for that third receiver that DeMarcus Robinson has that yeah, on lockdown to to start I uh, was impressed with Fuller that was a a, a nice uh, game that he put in and it didn't really seem like he he put in eight for 100 something he it just that's what he ended with I mean he kind of looked at the box score afterwards it was like really he was that good but I mean the Texans as a whole just kind of seemed down it seemed a little sluggish and then it it reflected that on the scoreboard
0: Yeah, and I just want to make note of David Johnson, who I thought looked really nice. They didn't run the ball a ton. Once they got down, they started getting a little, not as balanced as I think they want to be. But David Johnson had over 100 scrimmage yards with those receiving yards and the touchdown. So that was a nice game for him. I'm interested to see if Sammy Watkins can put together a season. I mean, even last year, he did have 90 targets. So he's a forgotten name there. We'll see if he's able to consistently do it, though. So uh, let's move over. Or I also mentioned, too, another thing that was a little surprising. To me, Clyde Edwards Allaire did have two targets, but he didn't have a reception. I know that was something uh, a lot of people were excited for with Allaire, was him getting involved in that passing game. And I still expect him to have some big days, but uh, he, uh, it was different. It was a different kind of Chiefs football. I mean, usually they just keep uh, passing, passing. You know, they don't let you. Uh, they don't give you a break for one second, but with a layer, I mean, he had 25 carries. They really, you said it, they kind of cruise and it felt like a different style. This is going to be more balanced than we're used to seeing a Patrick Mahomes offense. So that'll be fun to watch.
1: Yeah, it was uh it was crazy. It was just like, uh, this offense may be even more scary this year if Mahomes can just turn around and hand the ball off. That's gonna uh, to a guy that's gonna go over 100 every every game. So uh, you know, definitely another element to this offense. They have so many guys to throw to. So not everybody's gonna have a good game every week. And uh, I I don't know if it was just you know they were that good. So Mahomes you know can can be more balanced and just rely on the running game, or if you know the Texans kind of came out flat and uh you know maybe mahomes has to throw a little bit more against a a more uh you know a, like a better a game script uh team down the line or something like that so uh i mean yeah it was a it was a good game good game to start off
0: well uh move to the first 1 p m game on sunday here uh arguably the most shocking one it was the washington football team who defeated their in-division rival, the Philadelphia Eagles, 27-17. to If you're watching this game at all, I felt like Philly choked. I mean, and that's not to not give credit to Washington, but uh, Washington outscored them 13-0 to in the fourth quarter, really outplayed the Eagles and... Uh, And really every facet of the game, really. I mean, their defense was impressive. And I think that Ron Rivera run defense is going to surprise a lot of people based on this week. And we'll see. I mean, the Eagles offense was missing a big piece of Miles Sanders. But I don't want to not give Washington any credit because they played fantastically. Uh, Box score wise, Carson Wentz had 270 yards, two touchdowns and two picks. Boston Scott led the team in rushing with 35 yards, only nine carries, Uh, left the game, didn't play the entire game there. Uh, Receiving-wise, Dallas Goddard led the way with eight receptions, 101 yards, one touchdown on nine targets. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, Greg Ward, both, uh, and Zach Ertz all had seven targets in second. So I was surprised personally to see Greg Ward involved so frequently. Uh, Jalen Rager wasn't on the field a ton, but he did have one big 55 yard reception. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how that really the wide receiver snaps play out in Philly. I mean, we know Goddard and Zach Ertz are going to be involved on the Washington side. Dwayne Haskins really didn't have to do much. Uh, I mean, he had 178 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, which I, when you have a good defense like this, I think that's going to be the key for Haskins this season, just. Don't make stupid mistakes. I mean, I mean, and I think that defense is going to keep them in games. Rushing wise, Antonio Gibson uh, led the way with 36 yards and on nine carries but a little more surprising to me, Peyton Barber was a lot more involved than I think anyone was expecting. Had 17 carries, but he was horribly efficient, only had 29 <laughs> yards, but he chipped in two touchdowns. I believe he was RB 13 this week, so those touchdowns saved him. If anything, he, uh, you know, he's going to be their goal line back at this point, and that's not surprising because Antonio Gibson's a smaller back. So uh, we'll see if Peyton Barber has long-term value. I expect some people to probably overbid on him this week. I don't think he's going to have long-term value there, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how that backfield works itself out. Uh, Receiving-wise, Terry McLaurin led the way with 61 yards on five receptions didn't lead the team in targets, So I didn't want to throw that out there. Uh, Logan Thomas, who's a name that I've mentioned a few times, not a guy to pick up, but I've said, just keep an eye out on him because he's been intriguing to me all off season based on the reports I've been reading. So he led the team in targets with eight, had four receptions, 37 yards and chipped in a touchdown. So, uh, once again, am I going to run out and pick him up? Probably still not, but I'm still monitoring him. And if you're desperate at the tight end position, he's an interesting name. So apex, I'll kick it over to you now.
1: Uh- Oh, come on, Doc. Take your Logan Thomas uh, victory lap now.
0: You, you, <laughs> not uh, yet.
1: You not well, yet. <laughs> uh, definitely good involvement for him. So uh, maybe more consistency. He can uh, be maybe a, a weekly starter. Um, I didn't really have too many notes from this game. A lot of just, you know, kind of average, you know, stats across the board. Uh, Wentz did not do good. He he definitely hurt you. Uh he hurt me. He was my quarterback four for uh for this week and he just didn't bring in that kind of performance. So I was a little bit disappointed with him. And uh I guess the Eagles just kind of fell apart. Uh they were up uh it seemed, you know, pretty good lead. They had seventeen to nothing on them, and then they, they just couldn't get anything going after that. Uh disappointed uh with uh Deson Jackson, he He definitely didn't take advantage of this matchup. I mean, nobody really took advantage of this matchup for the Eagles side. Uh, Ertz and Goddard did seem to have uh, a pretty pretty decent day for you. But as far as uh, anybody else, I I just don't think you were happy very often. uh, uh, You weren't happy with this result uh, with what they were able to do for you.
0: Washington defense was impressive if you played them. I know uh, Adam called that on one of our Mm -hmm. shows. That was one of his sleeper plays. Nice call there. They had seven sacks. So even in uh, team defense leagues, they definitely had value. And if they play like that, man, I mean, the Eagles have a nice offensive line, too. I know they were a little banged up, but their offensive line as a whole is good. So that's an impressive performance. So uh, let's move over to the next 1 p.m. game here. We have the another in-division game here. We have the Miami Dolphins losing to the New England Patriots. 21 for the Patriots, 11 for the Dolphins. On the Dolphins' side, Ryan Fitzpatrick was not good. And you mentioned that previously. This is one of those bad games for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 191 yards, three picks. Uh, very, I mean, it was not good. Uh, rushing wise, a little surprising to me. Miles Gaskin led the way, and that's a name not one person has talked about. You know, once again, not running to the waiver wire to pick him up, but I thought it was interesting that he had any involvement, honestly. So nine carries for 40 yards. Matt Breed only had five carries. Jordan Howard had eight and uh, chipped in with a touchdown. So if you played him, that kind of saved his day. He only got you seven points, so nothing crazy. But better than uh, just seven yards. So that touchdown saved him a little bit. Mm -hmm. Receiving-wise, Devontae Parker led the way with 47 yards on four receptions. Preston Williams led the team in targets with seven. He had 41 yards on two receptions. Devontae Parker left the game, uh, that nagging hamstring injury that he's had. So that's going to be something to monitor. And, you know, we always talk about hamstring injuries. Those things can linger the entire season. So unfortunately, that may be the case for Devontae Parker this year. So Preston Williams is in- an interesting name if he is on your waiver wire. On the Patriot side, Cam Newton was very, I mean, it was impressive. I mean, that offense, the way that they ran it was uh, very, I mean, I'll say kind of similar to the Ravens, but it was just very, a lot of read option. Cam Newton had 15 carries. Uh, Passing-wise, he was very efficient, 15 for 19, nice uh, completion percentage there. Only 155 yards, though. This was a ground-and-pound game for him. Cam Newton had 15 carries for 75 yards, had two touchdowns. Uh, vintage cam there i'll say sony michelle was second with 37 yards and chipped in a touchdown 10 carries for him and then uh, receiving wise obviously not much to speak of but julian edelman and i've We've mentioned this several times as well. He's just consistent. Five receptions for 57 yards. Even if you played him, that's still t- you know almost 11 points. So it's hard to be completely disappointed with that consistency. Uh, seven targets. Nikhil Harry was second with uh, six targets. Had a costly fumble at one point, but uh, ended up not really hurting him that much. Only 39 yards on five receptions. So uh, what stuck out to you in this game? Uh,
1: Cam, most of all, I mean, that just the way that they used him, it just seemed to be, you know, like, uh, anything that you probably expected them to, to do. Uh, they came out and did, they, they used a lot of play action, a lot of RPOs and they were able to move the ball efficiently. And, uh, you know, receiving game, you know, I'm, I'm happy with Edelman. It's not a great game, but, uh, you know, it doesn't kill you. Uh, Harry, he did a, he had a couple plays. He ended up fumbling one of the balls through the end zone. So, uh, you know, that was a big drive killer there. Um, it, it, it kind of just, it felt like they should have won by a little bit more. It just, that's the kind of performance they had. It, it just didn't seem, you know, it, it was only a 10 point game, which kind of feels a little deceiving uh, consider how much, uh, you know, how, how much success they had with that, you know, RPOs and the, and the play actions for cam. So, um, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I don't think they're on the level of the Patriots of old yet. And, uh, you know, we'll see if, if long term, if Newton is kind of, you know, puts them in a better spot than, than what Brady did. I mean, cause they're, they're virtually the same teams as last year. Uh, They didn't really add too much and uh, the defense seems to be weaker with all those opt-outs. So we'll see how how far Cam can take them in in comparison to to what Brady did with this team last year.
0: Yeah, and I really hope for Cam's sake, and as an NFL fan, I love watching Pete Cam, so I hope that he can stay healthy, and I Mm -hmm. hope he uh, keeps his body fresh, but... Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. That's a good note, And just kind of monitoring that game, it felt like the Patriots won by a lot more than 10 points. So, you know, you can kind of argue that's a little concerning that they dominated a game and only won by 10 points. But I think that's going to be their style this year. I don't think you're going to see a 49-0 to game very frequently from this offense. I think it's going to be controlling the clock, playing nice defense, and just grinding out wins. So uh, not optimal for you fans that love to watch offense, but... It it wins you game, so let's go to another division rivalry here. We have the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. Very high scoring one here. The Packers won 43 to 34 Vikings had a huge fourth quarter. I know uh, I was kind of writing this game off and then all of a sudden I saw it was almost a one score game. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? But uh, really, uh, the Packers controlled the game most of the time. I mean, maybe a little bit of a scare in the fourth quarter, but nothing where you're like, okay, they're blowing this game. So uh, lots of fantasy relevance here. Aaron Rodgers had a very surprising game, and I know the Vikings lost a lot of pieces in their secondary, but uh, Aaron Rodgers has really struggled against the Vikings historically. I found it interesting that in his last four starts combined against the Vikings, he only had four touchdowns, and in uh, yesterday's game, he had four touchdowns. So uh, (laughs) kind of impressive there, 364 yards, really nice day for Aaron Rodgers. On the ground, Aaron Jones had 16 carries for 66 yards, and a touchdown dominated those uh, carries in the backfield. Jamal Williams is always going to chip in with five, six, seven right in that range, but this is still Aaron Jones's backfield. Um, Aaron Jones chipped in four receptions as well, only 10 yards, but you know, in PPR leagues, you'll take those four receptions all day. He did have a touchdown as well. Uh, receiving Devonte adams has a huge game if you played against Devonte adams this week you probably had to sleep in because you were depressed <laughs> you most likely lost your matchup I believe he had 41 ppr points this week so huge week for him 14 receptions 156 yards, two touchdowns. Just putting an exclamation point on everyone who said that he was going to lead this team in targets by a lot because they have no other options. I mean, he had 17 targets, so he's going to be a target monster all season. Wouldn't be uh, surprised if he led the entire league in targets, probably the way that it's trending. Uh, second, they did have uh, Marquez Veldes Scantling. I mean, we've talked. Quite extensively, who's going to be that number two wide receiver? Scantling had a nice game with four receptions, 96 yards, and one touchdown. Lazard chipped in with 463 and a touchdown. So, some of those secondary options stepped up, but uh, a lot to talk about there. On the Vikings side, Kirk Cousins had 259 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Dalvin Cook only had 12 carries after getting his nice contract, 50 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Only one reception. I know that's a big part of his game, but he only had one reception for negative two yards. Alexander Madison, who I've mentioned in the past, not that I would necessarily be starting him independently, but this team is so run heavy that... Madison does have, he had uh, over 700 yards last season, so he's still involved on a smaller basis. He had 50 rushing yards, 30 receiving yards, so 80 yards for him in game one. Adam Thielen was one of the top scoring wide receivers of the week as well. Uh, and I know a lot of people were interested who that number two option is. Right now, I don't think it matters in fantasy leagues. Adam Thielen's going to eat up most of those targets, had double of anyone else on the team with eight targets six receptions, 110 yards, and two touchdowns. Had himself a nice top 10 week this week. So, Apex, what do you have on this one? Um.
1: Well, this one just, Uh. uh I'll start with Rodgers. It just feels like this is a, a mad Rodgers game. Uh, he came out, he probably heard all that offseason noise about how Mahomes and Jackson and, and Russell Wilson are in the top of the league, and it's a new era and, all, and everything like that. And the and the uh, coupled that combined that with the uh, you know the fact they didn't draft a, a receiver that he was hoping for they drafted a quarterback that uh you know for for Rogers side doesn't really seem to help your team this year so you put all that together and he comes out and he just starts slinging it to all these secondary you know wide receiver options and then of course the, to Devonte Adams. Uh, a couple notes I had on him for, for Adam's sake was just, a uh, wow. I kind of put that down just uh, <laughs> during the game just to, to make the mental note to go back and, and look at this one because he was just dominant all over the place. He was getting the ball left and right. He had a really good uh, uh, toe tap and touchdown in the end zone there. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I said if if Rodgers uh, continues to play like this, then uh, I feel like Adams could be the number one receiver this year. I just, Mm -hmm. you know, he's, he's definitely in that discussion and uh, he he just, I don't know. This team was 13 and three last year and they were really just pushed aside. People Mm -hmm. don't want to put them up there with the saints or the chiefs or, or, you know, the Niners or any other team like that, because they, they didn't feel like, you know, they beat too many good teams. And, uh, it, this team came out and said, basically with the statement that they, they uh, played with that is that they heard your criticism and they wanted to come out and prove it. So uh, uh, this felt like a chiefs game too. They just, they cruised as well. So that's why it kind of seemed like it was uh, the the Vikings were coming back in this game, but no, the, the, the Packers got up by like 20 points and they just started cruising. So uh very impressive win uh, for the Vikings side. Uh, Thielen's just still the go-to for, for cousins. I mean, that was evident and until somebody else you know, kind of establishes themselves in the in this offense uh, behind uh, Cook and Thielen. Uh, I'm probably not starting anybody else uh, on this team until uh, until that happens.
0: Yep, I would agree with that. Yeah, I wouldn't push it with any of those secondary options. Uh, let's move over to the Colts and Jags game. Another surprising game here, but I mean, the Jags beat them week 17 last year. So they're on a two game winning streak against the Colts (laughs) as of right now. Uh, 27-20 Jags over the Colts on the, let's get to the right spot here. Uh, On the Colts side, Phillip Rivers had 363 yards, a touchdown and two interceptions. Had 46 pass attempts, which is pretty significant there uh rushing Naheem Hines led the way with seven carries 28 yards and a touchdown also chipped in eight receptions 45 yards and another touchdown so a two touchdown game for Naheem Hines and with Marlon Mack going down I expect him to probably continually be involved in the passing game Marlon Mack was second behind him with four carries 26 yards Jonathan Taylor wasn't overly impressive on the ground nine carries 22 yards But had a nice day through the air with six receptions and 67 yards. Actually was second on the team in uh, receiving yards. Paris Campbell was the receiving yard leader. I know that's a trendy sleeper name for a lot of people. Had a pretty solid week. One led the team in targets, tied with T.U.I. Hilton for nine targets. Had six receptions for 71 yards. Hilton, who I mentioned, was tied with him in targets with nine. Four receptions and 53 yards. On the Jaguars' side, Gardner Minshew can't get much more efficient than how Minshew played. 19 for 20, only one in completion, 173 yards, and three touchdowns for uh, Minshew Magic. On the ground, James Robinson came out and really dominated the touches on the ground. Uh, I know we don't really, I personally don't buy into coach speak very much. So even though he was listed as the starter, I personally didn't read too much into that, but he definitely dominated those touches 16 carries for 62 yards. Chris Thompson, who everybody was uh, all over the hype train, I've talked about him a few times. I don't think he's a high-end option, but he only had two targets in the air, and that's really where all of his volume is. So if he's not a consistent contributor, uh, not much to speak of there. James Robinson chipped in 28 receiving yards. Actually, had more than Chris Thompson. Uh, Keelan Cole was their receiver with, or a leading receiver with five receptions for 47 yards, uh, five targets. DJ Chark disappointed a little bit. Only had three targets, 25 yards. But another player with a game saver, a saving touchdown, had a 25 yards and a touchdown. So ended up being a solid week for Chark. Um, any, what do you have on this one, Apex?
1: Uh, I was a little, a little uh, disappointed with Chark. Was hoping uh, some more, uh, for that top receiver. So, um, I'll start with the Jag side. Uh, Minshew was great. Uh, you know, I feel like he spreads the ball around a lot. So beyond shark, it's kind of hard for me to imagine somebody uh, that you want to start on this offense um, until they start getting, you know, more volume, I suppose. Uh, Robinson was good. Uh, he had a couple uh runs that, that flashed. I believe he, he like hurdled the defender was a very good move by him. And uh, on, on a, that was his reception. Uh, one of those uh, was where he did that move. So that was, that was pretty impressive. Um, the stat line for him, you know not great fantasy wise I mean he just had like an average sixty yards and you know contributed a little bit in the passing game, so a solid performance for him uh the the biggest story in this game, I think is Marlon Matt going down mm-hmm. and uh and that's just unfortunate you know he started pretty pretty decent, he was getting the carries and and really gashing the the defense there and then he he pulled up with the injuries so You know, for for Jonathan Taylor, for fantasy's sake, uh, you're happy, I suppose. But, you know, this isn't the way I envisioned he would take the job. I just felt that he would come out and and be very good. And, um, you know, although the stats didn't really say the Taylor had a great game, but uh, he was able to contribute in the passing game a lot more than people thought. So that was pretty, uh, pretty good for, you know, his uh, prospects moving forward. I did see something today. It was on one of his runs or something like that. Like the, the next gen stats measures like the miles per hour uh, for his like five yard run. He got up to 21 miles an hour. <laughs> That's so crazy. this, this dude is 220 pounds, man. And, and by, you know, after, five yards down the field, he's already moving at that, at that speed. And that's just crazy. I mean, some of the other guys on that list are, are DK Metcalf, who I'm going to talk about later at Raheem Mostert. So, uh, rugs. So it's just, these are the speedsters and Jonathan Taylor was right up there, uh, twice actually. He had basically 21 miles per hour on that, uh, that five yard run. And then his 28 yard touchdown run, he had, just under 20 miles an hour. So it was just uh, – that's that's a, like a crazy stat, I think. And, uh, you know, I, you, you you saw me in the chat, I suppose. I was a little upset with, with Naheem Hines. Uh, specifically, they given him the ball in fourth and inches instead of Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> I just feel like, you know, the coaching aspect, like, come on, that just makes, you know, no sense to do that. Um, but you, you really look back at this game, and, and I was – and I was like, this is probably what I expected from Hines to be involved in the passing game, get you know seven or eight carries, and uh, and then that that's it, and that's what I feel like it'll be moving forward. I you know I think this was a fluke week for for Hines, two touchdown game. I just mm-hmm. you know both of those were where he sprung the run, he sprung the catch, and and you know made something happen. within got into the end zone, so uh, so kudos to him. But I but I don't see that you know. Repeating itself. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be their one and uh Frank Wright even came out and said that earlier today Uh mm-hmm. So so Taylor's the one I I would feel confident starting Hines. I you know, I feel like Basically, this is a Gordon Eckler type situation mm-hmm. that uh you know, Philip Rivers had last year Eckler was so good because of all those receptions that he gets and uh and that's what I feel like we'll we'll have uh, in the in the Colts backfield we're going to have a lot of uh, Jonathan Taylor and we're going to have a lot of Najee Mines. So I think both of them are solid options moving forward. Uh, just rivers is still rivers. He threw, uh, I think two interceptions in this one 46 <laughs> pass attempts is, is what I think I saw. It's just crazy for what you would think is a run first Colts team. So I guess, you know, rivers style kind of played out a little bit more than, than Frank Reich style in this game. So we'll see how that goes moving forward. Uh, let's see, receiving game for them. I thought Doyle was was pretty good. He had a couple uh, receptions, and he was pretty involved. You know, really, with 46 pass attempts, I think everybody was kind of involved. (laughs) Uh, A little, uh, you know, a, a little... Um, I don't know what you want to call it, just a surprising note. Uh, Campbell was so good, I, I didn't think he would show out that much, and it, and it seemed like Rivers had a good connection with him. So uh, that's all I got. I'm excited for Taylor moving forward. Obviously disappointed that, that he gets the leading role uh, because of an injury. I mean, you never yeah. want to see that happen. But, um, you know, hopefully Taylor can can uh, make it up for, for this team here and, and you know, keep him relevant.
0: Yeah, definitely disappointing on Marlon Mack's side with that torn Achilles. He he was having a nice game prior to that, mm-hmm. too. He had 56 total yards. When did he get injured? Halfway through the second, I believe it was, maybe early yep. in the second. So it was uh, pretty early in the game, and he already had 56 yards. He was on his way to a nice game. But uh, those that paid up for Jonathan Taylor are definitely going to reap the rewards now. He's uh, primed to be probably an RB1, realistically. So he should see nice volume the rest of the season. Let's move over to the Bears and Lions. Bears, uh, once again, the Lions blew a fourth quarter lead. That seems like a common theme with Matt Patricia as their head coach. <laughs> um, I'm not exactly sure. I'm interested. I'll have to go back and see how many fourth quarter leads they've blown now. I know it was significant last year, and that's how we kick off this season. The Bears outscored the Lions 21-0. to in the fourth quarter and the Bears won 27 to 23. Mitchell Trubisky, once again, shredded the Lions. I think he uh, wishes he could just play them 16 weeks a year. Probably, and He yeah. may be a MVP candidate, but he's uh, he's played really well against the Lions. That's back to back games with three touchdowns against them for him. He had 242 yards to go along with those three touchdowns on the ground. David Montgomery more efficient than he was in his 3.7 yards to carry last season, but only had 13 carries in this one uh, coming off that groin injury with 64 yards, 4.9 yards per carry. I think that's the key for Montgomery is just really raising that efficiency have more carries I, I'm assuming that that groin injury played into his role a little bit Tariq Cohen had seven carries which isn't really normal for uh, Tariq Cohen usually he's more involved in the pass game. passing game receiving wise Anthony Miller led the way with four receptions 76 yards and a touchdown Allen Robinson had a pretty normal uh I, I mean a normal Allen Robinson consistent day didn't have a touchdown but led the team in targets with nine Had five receptions and 74 yards, so a solid performance, nothing to write home about. Jimmy Graham, just on a side note, also chipped in with a touchdown. On the Lions side, Matthew Stafford wasn't efficient at all. He was 24 for 42, 297 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Probably the most intriguing piece of this entire Lions offense was Adrian Peterson. He led the backfield in carries and yards, 14 carries, 93 yards. That's 6.6 yards carry. Really surprising. And I know uh, we talked about a little bit on the sit start, and we really didn't know how this backfield was going to play out. But if uh, I did not have my money on Adrian Peterson leading it by a pretty (laughs) fair margin, double the amount of carries of carry on only had seven Deandre Swift only had three Swift did have a touchdown on the ground and dropped the game winning touchdown in the fourth quarter. It was an easy catch. It's not like, ah, you know, that's a tough one. You know, you drop it. No, I mean, it hit him right in the hands. You could tell he took his eyes off the ball and was already looking towards the end zone. I don't know why, because he was already in the end zone. Where are you looking? Exactly. I mean, yeah. but it was it was a really bad drop. And that's, I mean, that was in the final second. So that's legitimately why the Lions lost this game. So I'm interested, things like that interest me. Because I think that really hurts you mentally. So I want to see how DeAndre Swift can recover from that. Because that's a rough way to end your first game if I've ever seen one. So uh, receiving wise, Danny Amendola led the way with 81 81- yards yards on five receptions. Don't expect him to be uh, overly involved, especially when Kenny Galladay comes back, but he'll still see his targets in the slot. TJ Hawkinson had a touchdown as we uh, kind of all called. We talked about him getting more red zone or uh, looks with Kenny Galladay out, had a nice game, five receptions, 56 yards and a touchdown for Hawkinson. Marvin Jones had an okay day. Not really the day. A lot of people were hoping for, but four receptions, 55 yards, um, I think that's probably all the notes I'll make actually I'll say as well Adrian Peterson actually had three receptions for 21 yards so on the day he had over 100 scrimmage yards so it wasn't just an okay day for Adrian Peterson it was really impressive and uh, I'm just I'm intrigued to see how that plays out I don't know if this is a long-term uh, solution for them especially if Swift struggles uh, but I'm interested to see how it shakes out
1: Uh, yeah I feel like carry on's Kind of getting pushed to the back burner. I just feel like it's going to be, you know, Adrian Peterson and then Swift might be their, their like pass catching type of back uh, for now. It's just that's the feel that I kind of got. But, wow. but man, he dropped that, that game winning catch. Uh, that was just, uh that was crazy. I mean, they had it. That was a great play. He ended up mm-hmm. beating like three guys on the play. You just yeah. got by all of them and, Stafford dropped it right in there and then it just went off the the fingertips of Swift there so that was just that was heartbreaking for him the Lions should have won this game but you know, the Bears definitely deserved to to come back and 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 win with how they played in the fourth uh, Anthony Miller I think was was by a high point on the on the Bears offense just being able to I mean not severely but he did a you know out gain you know Robinson and he caught a, a pretty you know good touchdown there so uh, you know, moving forward, I think he could be a, d- a decent waiver wire ad if uh, if he's available in your league. Um, uh, y- y- like I said, I was kind of high a little bit on uh, Anthony Miller. He had a great uh, second half of the year last year, and it, and it just kind of helped me uh, down the strats win a championship. So, you know, they, they didn't really add too much else in this offense. They added Jimmy Graham and and that was really about it. So uh i think anthony miller could be uh, could blossom into a blossom to a decent uh you know wide receiver too to you know maybe a flex play for you uh moving forward
0: yep i would agree too and i think that the bears defense is a little overrated right now so i think they could be in some situations where they have to pass a little more and uh, they have uh, Mitchell Trubisky still has a lot to prove this season. So we'll see which Mitch is, if he's the one of last year of 2018. So we'll keep an eye out on that. Moving on to the next game, lots of fantasy relevance in this one. We mentioned it beforehand that this could feature the top two scoring running backs this week. And in fact, it did. So the uh, Raiders over the Panthers, 34 Raiders, 34 the Panthers, Derek Carr, pretty efficient overall, 239 yards, one touchdown, was 22 for 30 on the day. Josh Jacobs was really the story for the Raiders, 25 carries, 93 yards, and three touchdowns. So, uh, but really, I obviously three touchdowns impressive, but really the big note here is he was very involved in the passing game. And that's what a lot of people said if he, if, if, if he can get involved in that passing game, he'll be a top five guy. And that if turned into, it looks like it's going to happen. He had four receptions, 46 yards, and six targets. So he was actually second on the team in targets right behind Darren Waller. So as impressive as that three touchdowns are, we know he's the goal line guy. Uh, but th- that reception total and his overall involvement was really crucial to me. Henry Ruggs led the team in receiving yards, 55 yards on the day, had a nice downfield snag, three receptions on five targets. I mentioned Darren Waller. These are the kind of stat lines I personally expect from Darren Waller this year. Just very unexciting. Six receptions, 45 yards on eight targets. I mean, the reality is he's not their red zone threat even or uh, one of their main red zone target, I should say. He, uh, he's more of just their underneath route runner. Even though he's a big physical presence, they just don't use him in the red zone that frequently. Realistically, that's Josh Jacobs area this year. And, uh, you know, you'll probably see him use some of those secondary targets. I also mentioned Brian Edwards, who a lot of people had very hyped up, was uh, quiet in this game. Only one reception, one target, nine yards. We'll see if that changes moving forward. Panthers side, Teddy Bridgewater, 22 for 34, 270 yards, one touchdown. Christian McCaffrey on the ground, had a normal Christian McCaffrey day. 23 carries, 96 yards, two touchdowns. Also had three receptions for 38 yards. Just another day at the office. Ah, uh, Robbie Anderson, and we had a ton of start sit questions with Robbie Anderson. <laughs> he came through in a, a big way. Uh, I know I wasn't overly high on him going into this game. He was able to beat that weak Vegas secondary several times. Had a nice game though, six receptions, one hundred and fifteen yards and a touchdown. Thought it was kind of interesting. he was second in the team and targets, tied with Curtis Samuel. Uh, Curtis Samuel didn't do very much with his eight targets, but Robbie Anderson is definitely going to be the deep threat in that offense. I expect him to be more of a boomer bust option, but if he's consistently getting six, seven, or so targets, he'll definitely have some value, especially once we get to bye weeks. DJ Moore didn't have an impressive day, just an, eh, kind of a Julian Edelman eh, day. Four receptions, 54 yards. Led the team in targets with nine, so better days probably ahead with that kind of volume, but. Apex, what do you have on this one?
1: Well, if Jerry listens to this one back, then this is the reason that I was a little bit down on DJ Moore. Because you look at this, uh, he had nine targets, and he had a modest day. Uh, it was, uh, Robbie Anderson and Samuel both had eight targets. CMC had four, which you kind of expect that to go up a little bit, right? Uh, so there's just there's a lot of targets, I guess, I guess uh, for... Teddy Bridgewater to throw to for uh, D.J. Moore to be that that top guy that a lot of people, uh, you know, think he can be. So that's why I was a little bit down on him. It's just I feel like it's going to go to somebody different each game. And uh, it was interesting. Robbie Anderson, Samuel, they actually had like the same day besides Anderson's uh, long touchdown. They were both, uh, you know, the same catches i i believe for very similar yards if you take out that long touchdown so uh you know that was kind of you know no number two really you know came out for me It just anderson got lucky with the with the touchdown on that good play call there um so it'll be interesting to see uh moving forward you know how teddy distributes these these targets You know, like I said, I was a little concerned how much he's going to throw. He actually threw a little bit more than I was expecting. So uh, I don't know if that was just, you know, they needed to come back or, you know, that's the game plan or something like that. But uh, uh, McCaffrey was good. No, no, uh, nothing new there. I mean, he he didn't get the ball with a minute to go in the game on a, on a fourth down play, they handed it off to the fullback, which, you know, that falls in the category for me. Another one of those coaching blunders, like why are you giving the ball to your fullback who has like 15 career carries or something they said on the, on the broadcast instead of uh, Christian McCaffrey. That just doesn't make any sense to me. And, um, you know, so there, there was a lot of the, those kinds of moments that I, I saw in week one, those just like, bonehead coaching mistakes that I was like why why are you doing that you know it just doesn't make any sense on the uh the Raiders side uh Jacobs was impressive that's what I had down you know during the game he just his involvement was you know a plus that's what you wanted if if you bought into Jacobs this year just that little bit addition in in the passing game plus you know being that that workhorse guy that you know, the, the Raiders think he can be, um, I mean, if you spent up for, for Jacobs, either a second round pick or, you know, he was going in the first in some cases, uh, it's so far paid off for you. So that's, you know, that's, uh, uh, pretty good moving forward. You know, hopefully he can continue that. He can continue getting the ball, you know, 20 plus times a game, getting those receptions and cashing in some touchdowns. So good game for him. Uh, You know, Ruggs kind of disappointed a little bit besides that long uh, catch. He wasn't very involved. He had like two for for 10 after that. So, you know, five targets, I believe he had. He's just he feels like you're going to be he's going to be your boom or bust guy. You're just going to have to, you know, basically like a Deshaun Jackson uh you're going to if you're going to take the good weeks you'll get you know five receptions 150 yards and two touchdowns or the bad weeks which you know he saved this game with a, a long catch but without the long catch you know two for 10 so you're talking about three points uh, it's just that's what you're going to have to accept if you decide to start rugs on a weekly basis uh that, yeah. that's about all all I got for this one
0: And the Raiders, a lot of their success last season and the games they won came when Jacobs was involved. So looks like they're going to keep that strategy moving forward. Moving on to the Jets and the Bills. Bills took this one. Once again, it was only 10 points, 27-17, but the Bills were cruising. The Jets really didn't ever have a chance at any point in the game. So a nice win for the Bills. More impressive is uh, Josh Allen, who did have his first 300-yard game. I guess for one week only, I will not make fun of Josh Allen. It was (laughs) the Jets, so I think that still gives me a little leeway to make fun of him, but I'll give him a week off this week. Uh, 312 yards, two touchdowns. He uh, was their leading rusher as well. 14 carries, 57 yards and a touchdown there, so a three-touchdown day for Josh Allen. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss split the backfield carries evenly, 9-9. Nine to nine. Singletary did a lot more with 30 yards, Zach Moss with only 11. Stephon Diggs was the leading wide receiver with eight receptions and 86 yards on nine targets. John Brown, actually, in watching that game, John Brown was very involved. He was the team's leader in targets with 10, six receptions, 70 yards, one touchdown. I mean, one of the big takeaways I took from that is Josh Allen, John Brown just have a nice connection as as much as Stephon Diggs is the more talented wide receiver, sometimes that chemistry is all you need. So I know John Brown was a forgotten man in this offense with Stephon Diggs coming over. But those of you who took a late-round flyer on him, I think he's going to pay big dividends. Even though it's the Jets and you don't want to overread into it, I do read into when he wanted a first down, he was looking John Brown's way. So uh, I think that's uh, very promising moving forward. Uh, Zach Moss also did chip in with a touchdown through the air. Uh Devin Singletary had seven targets on the day too with five receptions. So he was more involved, but Zach Moss still had four targets, so I thought that was interesting. More involved in the passing game than I would have thought. On the Jets side, there's really nothing much to talk about except Jamison Crowder, realistically, but uh Sam Darnold had 215 yards, a touchdown and a pick on the ground. Le'Veon Bell didn't play the entire game, had six carries for 14 yards. Frank Gore led the way with six carries for 24 yards, which is pretty pitiful uh, that their leading rusher only had 24 (laughs) yards, but that is probably going to be the state of the Jets offense this year. Receiving wise, Jamison Crowder, who I mentioned, led the way with seven receptions. 115 yards and a touchdown had a really long I believe a 60 yard touchdown reception Uh, more so though 13 targets is impressive I would expect him to continue to lead the way even when Denzel Mims comes back uh, Rashad Perriman wasn't overly involved in this one only five targets but once again it's just a matter of Darnold trusts Jamison Crowder in the slot so he's going to eat up a lot of targets I'm not going to say he's a plug and play starter in PPR leagues but if you start three wide receivers I think Jamison Crowder is a lot closer to that than we think at this point especially considering the state of this defense is going to be bad I expect them to play from behind a lot this season so really Crowder the only bright spot on this entire offense
1: yeah, the, the uh, Bills were my survivor pick, so I was happy they pulled this one out. Nice. Uh, I'm kind of leaning at the 49ers for next week, and they actually play these Jets, so I, I don't know if it's just play your teams against the Jets, <laughs> uh, kind of survivor pick like it was last year with the Dolphins, but uh, I mean, the, the Jets, I think there's trouble brewing there in, in New York. Uh, the quote I saw from, from Gase uh, earlier today was that he was mad at himself for letting bell back into the game with the hamstring injury, Bell left the game in the second quarter and came back in the third quarter, uh, to, uh, to re replay in this game. And, uh, this is what gay said. He is quote, mad at himself for mm-hmm. allowing bell to return. So that is just, that's raising a lot of red flags to me. I mean, I I've uh, I've talked about it, shared it before, but Bell was my first round dynasty start up pick last year, and uh, it's it's not looking too good. I was pretty, you know, disappointed week to week last year with with his, you know, totals, and now you already start off this year on the on the on the bad foot. He didn't have that very uh, a very good game. I know he left for injury, and you know the, the it seems like the the Bell versus Gase kind of saga has been going on all off season now. So um, even even the end of last year, they were kind of getting at it. So you know, I I don't know. I think there might be a, a little bit of turmoil that that comes out uh, with with these two moving forward. It's going to be hard to trust Bell. I think regular regular drafts. I'm fine sitting him on my bench until he, he, he starts getting more involved because uh, it's, for some reason, Gage just doesn't want to get him involved. And, you know, I, I, I just don't think this situation is going to work out uh, at some point, One of them's either going to get traded or, or fired or whatever it may be. But, um, uh, bills, I was happy with Josh Allen. It, it seems like, you know he's he's got a lot of targets there and and they don't really like the Kansas City offense that that Mahomes has but for for uh, Josh Allen's style of play like this he's got a lot of weapons and this offense seems you know pretty perfect for him he's got you know a couple of a good pass catching running backs um, that are also, you know, can be on the uh, can be good on the ground. We saw Singletary be uh, pretty efficient last year, so if they can get that rolling, uh, you bring in Diggs and you have John Brown's uh, contribution as well. So I just feel like uh, all around he's got, you know, some pretty good targets that you know uh, most teams out there don't have two very good cornerbacks. So if you're going to take away one of these guys it's going to present the other guy open for, for Josh Allen. So I, I feel like, you know, both of these guys, uh, uh, Brown and, and, uh, digs are, uh, are going to be valuable for Josh Allen moving forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that was, I just looked quickly while you were talking there, that was Josh Allen's career high in pass attempts, 46. So that's just a side note there with Adam yeah, Gase. I- I would be shocked if Adam Gase made it through this whole season. Honestly. Probably
1: me too. Yeah, <laughs> of course, Josh Allen's great game had to come against me. I have uh, Lamar <laughs> Jackson, and I'm all ready to just, you know, take the 100 rushing yards and awesome game. And, and uh, Josh Allen went toe-to-toe for him. I mean, they yeah. they were like back and forth, and I believe in, in my league, he finished, uh, Allen finished with like one more point or something like that. So uh, it, definitely a very good performance for him if he can uh, continue to do that.
0: Yeah, I had Lamar a few times against Russell Wilson, who, uh, that was Russell Wilson had himself a game as well. So uh, we're going to talk about one of those guys right now. We're on to the Ravens who obliterated the Browns 38 to six. Uh, I mean, it wasn't close at any point in the game. Um, I guess the first quarter it was 10 to six. And then from there, uh, the Browns didn't score another point. So the Ravens had a really impressive performance here. Lamar really didn't have to do much. Very efficient, 20 for 25, 275, three touchdowns. He seemed to be throwing the ball a little differently to me. He was really uh, slinging it. I mean, there are some where he just need to put some touch on it. And he was putting some zing on his passes. So uh, I don't know what he was doing this off season, But he, I thought he looked really good. And I know it's the Browns defense. But I, uh, I thought that was really encouraging. Uh, Lamar on the ground led the way as well. Seven carries, 45 yards. Mark Ingram... Had 10 carries, 29 yards. Pretty uh, embarrassing game for him, especially against the Browns. J.K. Dobbins was uh, pretty involved. Had two touchdowns in the red zone. Seven carries for 22 yards. I think that's going to be a dynamic that's interesting to monitor. Only three less carries than Mark Ingram in the first game. So um, we'll see if it was a matter of getting him a rep some reps against the Browns or if that's a dynamic moving forward, JK Dobbins is very talented. And I think it's under the radar that he played with Justin Fields at Ohio state last year, who plays a very similar style to Lamar. So it's not like this RPO style is new to JK Dobbins. He's already thrived under it. So I think that'll be a fun dynamic to watch moving forward. Hollywood had himself yet again, another nice opening day five receptions 101 yards on only six targets no touchdowns but five for 101 very impressive for him usually when we saw a stat line like that from him last season he had a touchdown as well so I thought it was just a really nice uh, coming out party for him he put on a lot of weight this offseason I've loved Hollywood I mentioned several times I think he's going to be Tyreek Hill like and I think this was a nice step in the right direction Willie Snead still there he uh, was actually second the team. Team and receiving yards he just seems to stick around and always has 700 yards and five touchdowns somehow but yeah 64 yards and a touchdown for him mark andrews once again always involved probably going to be the target leader for the ravens this season six targets which was tied with the team lead with hollywood for the team lead with hollywood five receptions 58 yards two touchdowns which makes it a fantastic day for him On the Brown side, not really a lot to talk about, except Baker was terrible. I know the Ravens' defense is nice, but uh, Baker looked lost. I've seen lots of fun uh, comparisons to him and Johnny Manziel and some nice memes in the past week. So I'm not quite ready to say that. I mean, Johnny Manziel never had 26 touchdowns in a season, but... Baker looked really bad. 189 yards, one touchdown, one interception. I already said 21 for 39. On the ground, Kareem Hunt led the way with 13 carries and 72 yards. I know Nick Chubb owners are probably not happy to see that Kareem Hunt had more carries than Nick Chubb. Um, Not that I'll say it's overly concerning. This game was just a slaughter fest all around. So I don't think you can read too much into it, but it's definitely something to monitor moving forward because they end up splitting those backfield carries. Uh, That's uh, really troubling for Nick Chubb's value. He did have a nice day, only 10 carries, but was really efficient with 60 yards. Uh, had a few nice runs so 6 yards of carry very efficient receiving wise not a ton to discuss Jarvis Landry had 5 receptions for 61 target or 61 61 targets yeah <laughs> that's crazy 5 receptions for 61 yards 6 targets David Njoku had three receptions for 50 yards and a touchdown, but I believe I saw a report this morning that said he's going to be out for the season, so uh, that's going to be Austin Hooper's, uh, he's the sole tight end there, they have the rookie Harrison Bryant, but Austin Hooper is the main tight end there now, doesn't have to compete with anyone, interestingly enough, Odell Beckham led the way with 10 targets, which watching that game, it didn't feel like that to me but he did with 10 targets, three receptions for 22 yards. So he did absolutely nothing with those 10 targets. I thought Beckham looked kind of lost and terrible. I don't know what was going through his mind during that game, but uh, something was not right there. And he had a really pitiful game as did this entire offense. So what do you have uh, for this game? Yeah, this offense, man, it's really disappointing. Uh, Odell
1: Beckham was another one that I took uh, within the first three rounds of her, for my dynasty draft last season, and similar to Bell, it's you're just very disappointed. And he comes out and he does this in week one, and I don't know who to blame anymore because I, you know, I hear people blame Beckham, and you know, I kind of blame Beckham too, just because, you know. All right, that's the guy that i mostly have and and then you kind of look at it and go well maybe baker mayfield is is just bad and just not hitting him because i did see a couple of uh, replays baker's throws seemed to be behind him they didn't seem to be on the same page he seemed to airmail it a couple of times so it, you know maybe i should just shift the focus to baker but uh i i'm really close to my wit's end with with odell beckham and uh I just with the matchup, I feel like you're going to have to roll him out there a uh, coming Thursday against the Bengals. But I tell you what, man, if he doesn't put up a good game on, on Thursday night football, then I'm, I'm just benching him until further notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause they're just, uh, I'm tired of sitting here waiting for, for these two to click for, for Baker and, and Odell to just, you be on the same page. And if it's not going to happen, then I think we might see him traded at some point. So uh, you know that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Ravens side, Andrews is the man. He's he's gonna be the guy in this offense. I mean, I uh, mean, you kind of talked about Lamar's throws a little bit being off, and and one of them was was like two feet over Andrews' head in the end zone, and yeah. he reached up and and caught it one handed on on just a, a miraculous catch. I mean, nobody was around him, so it's you know that's a very interesting defensive. Philosophy <laughs> to kind of go with there, but uh, old he, strategy he was, cotton. <laughs> yeah, he made the catch though. So that's what what no. stuck out that when he needed to, he, he made it. And, um, the Mark Ingram in the rushing game wasn't very good. Not what you wanted. Yeah. It seemed uh, weird. Dobbins got a little bit more of the carries and the goal line carries. So I, I don't know how that's going to play out going forward. But it already seems like, you know, Dobbins is going to kind of come out with this lead role. So interesting to see, uh, you know, like like we said, going over this game, Lamar is just an auto start. I think Andrews is the auto start too. Uh, you can roll a, a Ma- uh, sorry, a Mar- Marquise uh, Brown out there. Uh, he, he's another one that's that's kind of going to be similar to Deshaun Jackson type of games those those boom bust games uh this one was really good he came out you know 5 for 100 or so so uh you're hoping he he gets one of those long touchdowns but i i think he's a very safe start i mean you got Andrews and then you know uh Lamar kind of spreads the ball around but i i think uh Malcolm Brown get i'm sorry Marquise Brown gets enough in this oh. offense to uh to be uh, relevant on a weekly basis
0: I like that. You have the Rams on the mind. Usually people Uh, can't say that. I know. I just (laughs) talk about Malcolm Brown soon. Don't worry. I should
1: just call him Hollywood because uh, the the M Brown kind of throws me off. And and don't worry, I have a couple notes in here on uh, on Malcolm when we get to it. So I I kind of have been thinking
0: about him since last night, so. (laughs) <laughs> nice uh, a lot of people uh, were impressed Malcolm Brown but we'll talk mm-hmm. about that uh here's a game that you're gonna be excited to talk about it's the Seahawks and oh, Falcons boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I know you're looking your lips I'm getting kind of disturbed here but, uh, the, the Seahawks uh, took this one over the Falcons 38 to 25 Nice game for Russell Wilson. Very efficient. I mean, it's Russell Wilson. What do you expect at this point against the Falcons secondary? But 31 for 35, 322 yards, four touchdowns. On the ground, Russell Wilson also led the way with three carries for 29 yards. Um, Behind him, Carlos Hyde chipped in 23 yards and a touchdown. Chris Carson only had six carries for 21 yards but saved his fantasy day through the air. Six receptions, 45 yards, two scores, so a nice game for Chris Carson there. On the receiving side of things, DK Metcalf led the way with four receptions for 95 yards and eight targets, had a touchdown as well, a nice-looking throw, nice connection there on the deep ball. Uh, Tyler Lockett was tied with DK Metcalf in targets with eight. Uh, interesting. You don't see it too often, but Tyler Lockett had eight targets and eight receptions. So uh, that's a nice chemistry that him and Wilson have there. And as much as Metcalf is talented and he may turn into the elephant number one, Tyler Lockett's still going to have a role there. So nice game for him. 81 or uh, 92 yards on eight receptions. I already mentioned the Chris Carson and two touchdowns. Um, Greg Olson had the uh, another touchdown through the air. That was uh, Russell Wilson's fourth touchdown. Greg Olson chipped in as well. On the Falcons side, Matt Ryan had a pretty enormous fantasy day. Didn't equal a win for the Falcons, but as a fantasy owner, you'll take it. 450 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. On the ground, Todd Gurley led this backfield, as many expected. Only 14 carries. They were passing uh, pretty much the entire game because they were down the entire game. 54 pass attempts, by the way. So Todd Gurley only had 14 rushing attempts, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Through the air, uh, I mean, there was a lot of contributions here. There are three 100-yard receivers. All of them had nine receptions. All of them had 12 targets. Uh, Julio (laughs) with 157 yards. Calvin Ridley with 130 and two touchdowns. The only two touchdowns that Matt Ryan scored on the day. Russell Gage, their slot man, 114 yards. So uh, lots of fantasy relevance there. Calvin really continues to be the main uh, touchdown threat there. Julio, for whatever reason, is not a touchdown monster. We've seen it throughout his career, which has always been perplexing to me, but it's kind of been what it is. Uh, Hayden Hurst, I will also mention, disappointed quite a few people only three receptions for 38 yards. Really the targets that I would have expected to go to him were going to Russell Gage, which was kind of interesting. So what do you have? Well, I know you have a lot on this one, Apex, so <laughs> rock and roll. Um, well, I'll start in the backfield, actually, with, with
1: Carson. I feel like if you got Chris Carson, uh, try to go ahead and sell him. Um, it was a little perplexing to me that Carlos Hyde had more carries on the ground. And, uh Carson's two touchdowns came through the air on on some uh, some nice screenplays that you know he made some runs after the catch but You know, so that that stat line looks pretty good. or The points, I I should say, look pretty good. When you're looking at it, he gets about 25 to 30 points in your lineup. But uh, it kind of was deceiving. It was really fueled by those two touchdowns and his receiving work that I don't think is going to be replicated, you know, every single week. So uh, I would try to, you know, maybe somebody else is looking at the Seattle offense and wants a piece of that, see if they want to get a hold of Chris Carson that you can cash in on his good game. Um, yeah, I, I like, uh, Locket and, uh, I really tied it the hip to Metcalf. Everybody knows that, uh, it was, I was kind of going through a funk during the games there. I was just, you know, you're sitting and watching and I should be excited cause football's back, but it's just, uh, I I'm looking at some of these stat lines and guys aren't hitting what I want them to hit yet, especially DK Metcalf. He was leading that. And, uh, so I was just kind of, you know, had nonchalant kind of emotions to everything until he hit that long touchdown. And then I was like, able then to
0: football just, season started. <laughs>
1: yeah. And then I was
0: able to just, you know,
1: kind of feel relaxed and relieved after that, because uh, I mean, he showed go, he went 21 miles an hour on, on that uh, catch as well. Uh, according to next gen stats. So that was just, that was a fourth down play. Uh, Russell just threw it up there. And, and, and DK is just, uh, he, he made the great play. And uh, and that's what, uh, you know, gave him a good game in this one. And uh, I was watching some good morning football and Nate Burleson was really talking him up, singing his praises. And and he uh, he said that Metcalf is just getting started in this league. And and, and I think that's that's pretty evident with uh, the way Wilson targets him and just the the plays Metcalf is able to make. So I was very impressed with uh, his his uh, finish to that game almost 100 yards and a touchdown, so he was very good for you. Uh, I, I like that he had the same amount of targets as uh, as Lockett, and although he didn't cash in on, on every single one of them like Lockett did, he, he put forth a nice game, and it, it tells me that, that Russ is really getting both of them involved. And uh, Russ is, an, is another thing to talk about, man. I think he is probably my dark horse MVP at this moment. Uh, it just... The weapons that he's going to be able to have and he's going to be able to throw to, and uh, he he was singing, uh, uh trying to get the coaching staff into like having them pass the ball more in this off season just because, you know, that that's the new game now. You see Patrick Mahomes and brings his team to the Super Bowl throwing the ball all around the yard, and and I think that's what Wilson believes that the Seahawks can do with with the with their targets and and weapons there. So. A Good running game. I mean, you got Carson and and Hyde and, uh, you know, maybe eventually Penny uh, puts uh, his contributions in this offense. But but he's got some tight ends, too. And, and, you know, Mm -hmm. Olsen, Disley and Hollister, I'm pretty sure all of them were involved. They were all getting targets and, and catching the balls there. So, yeah, I put down during the games the Russell Wilson's my dark horse MVP at this point. And, uh, him and him and Rogers are kind of right up there with, with the great performances of the week. And, um, uh, yeah, I just, uh, this, this offense is, is really good. And, uh, I believe they're, they're the best team in the West right now. I mean, obviously on, on paper they are, but I just think, uh, as a total team, uh, a defensive side too. Jamal Adams came in there and, and was just awesome. He was all over the field, so that was a big addition for him. So yeah, they're they're up there uh, on top of their division, and I think you can put them right up there with the with the um the Saints there as as tops in the NFC.
0: Yep, yeah for sure. And one thing I'll say, I'm excited for for DK Metcalf. I think he's developing more into a complete wide receiver, which is what you want to see with a guy with that kind of athleticism and ability, you know, I've said it before that there's so many guys that size that just don't put it together. So I'm seeing him become more of a complete receiver. I'm excited to see him go up against like Jalen Ramsey this year when they play the Rams. I think that's going to be just a fun test to watch or even Richard Sherman, even though he's a little older, I think I'm looking forward to some of those matchups. Uh, Matt Ryan, just an interesting note, those 54 pass attempts were tied for his career high which, I mean, he's had a very long and successful career, so just an interesting note there. Uh, moving on to the Chargers and the Bengals, the Chargers took this one 16-13 over the rookie Joe Burrow. On the Chargers' side, I, I mean, even though they won this game, their offense did not look very—I uh, mean, it, it struggled. I mean, they struggled, really, the entire game and kind of put it together enough to beat this young team, but— uh, I don't expect them to be very good this year. The uh, tie rod was 16 for 30 through the air, only 208 yards. Austin Eckler had 19 carries for 84 yards, and that is a career high for Austin Eckler, who's historically been more involved in the passing game. But uh, interesting to see him get some of those uh, more traditional carries behind him. Josh Kelly probably going to be one of the hottest waiver wire pickups this week. I'm assuming with 12 carries 60 yards and a touchdown broke off a nice long run there, but I'd expect them to definitely have a nice solid role behind Eckler with anywhere between 10 to 15 carries a week, especially with how much this passing game struggled. They're going to have to run the ball to win games. So a few notes there on the receiving end of things, Hunter Henry led the way with five receptions for 73 yards Eight targets for him. Mike Williams led the team in targets with nine, a little surprising considering he's been dealing with a uh, with an injury and we thought he was going to miss the first few games initially, but he played showed a lot of toughness. I thought you could tell he was struggling with it a few times, but he uh, he grinded it out Four receptions for 69 yards. Okay, pretty solid game. Keenan Allen had eight targets, didn't do much with them, four receptions for 37 yards. Hopefully that's not a sign of things to come, but with how much this passing offense struggled, you know, we'll see if Keenan Allen can put together more consistency. On the Bengals' side, uh, Joe Burrow was 23 for 36. Uh, I do have to say the Chargers' defense did look pretty solid. They were getting to uh, Burrow pretty frequently, especially in the second half. Uh, but Joe Burrow kept his composure, had 23 for 36, 193 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Did have a touchdown on the ground, though, where he had eight carries, 46 yards. Uh, that's going to be something to monitor. Not surprising. He showed some legs at LSU, so he's definitely he definitely has some rushing upside there, which is going to help his long-term fantasy value. Joe Mixon, for the most part, was pretty bottled up. Did get 19 carries for 69 yards. So only averaged 3.6 yards a carry. Receiving-wise, A.J. Green led the way with nine targets. Solid day, five receptions, 51 yards. Nothing to write home about, but solid. Uh, behind him, just uh, not much else to talk about. Lots of guys. Uh, C.J. Uzuma Tyler Boyd, Giovanni Bernard, John Ross, all had five targets. Didn't really do much with it. So what do you have on this one?
1: Um. To uh, charge your side, yeah, it's just their offense just seemed very sluggish. And uh, so, I mean, they're kind of another team that I'm not really going to be that into. I mean, I guess, you know, Henry's your your start, I guess, a tight end. He's he's middle of the pack there. Uh, Keenan Allen, he, he probably can start him in, in, you know, plus matchups. But I don't think they're going to be throwing the ball a ton. And that does hurt Eckler a little bit. Uh, you don't have to rush and get rid of him and overreact to it. But uh, I, I just think just tamper the expectations a little bit. He, he seemed to be more involved on the ground and not as much as the air in the air. So I think that's more attributed to, to just high rod, not targeting him. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't expect the Chargers to really be making huge splashes, which means we might see Herbert at some point because usually yeah. when things are just kind of going, you know, slugging through the mud, you you just take your shots and, and see what you got in the rookie that you you drafted. So we might see him sooner than later if the, the way their offense uh, played yesterday, if that keeps up. Uh, on the Bengals' side, you know, just all around, I was hoping for more points in this game. Uh, I had this game in, in one of my parlays, and and would have cashed in pretty nicely if they if they got over the forty-two. So I was a little disappointed that that points weren't able to be put up more. And I know there was a couple missed field goals in this game, including the the last one. Obviously, was the the killer <laughs> for the Bengals. I uh, I did see uh, AJ Green on this morning uh on uh, Good Morning Football they interviewed him a little bit. He was uh, very impressed with with his quarterback uh, Joe Burrow. He was saying that uh he handled that last drive uh, great and he just thought he was so composed and and uh you know he was just very focused and he he was very taken aback because he'd never seen this in a in the in a quarterback, especially a rookie quarterback before how he was able to just compose himself and, and be, you know, laser focused. And, uh, he, he said that the, uh, the, the future of this team, he feels is in good hands with Burroughs. So, so singing his quarterback praises there, I, I felt like he was very involved and, and, uh, you know, hopefully moving forward, he can, you know, continue to play at a level that, that he used to, uh, before he was getting some injuries that that kept him out. But, uh, yeah, the the Browns and Bengals are coming up on this Thursday, so you yeah, know, that'll be a barn burning game there. I mean, the, those two teams combined for less than 20 points, so you know somebody's got to win. But you know, we'll we'll see how that one goes. A, a lot of different questions, mostly on the Brown side for me. But but uh, you know, moving forward, I, I want to see uh, A.J. Green be able to you know continue to put up you know some top numbers.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, I agree with that, that Joe Burrow kept his composure overall because he could have let this game slip from them. But uh, it was a dogfight the entire day, and he definitely kept his composure. I think him against the Browns could be his coming out party. I mean, uh, as much as I've always been critical of Joe Burrow, but it's more just I don't trust rookie fantasy QBs. I mean, historically, they've been inconsistent. So the future is bright, though, overall for the Bengals, and they should be excited for uh, what they have moving forward. Very young team right now, especially on defense as well. Let's move over to another uh, pretty fun game. Not in terms of uh, fantasy necessarily, but it was a good game. The Cardinals and the 49ers Cardinals took this one 24 to 20 against the defending NFC champions. So a a nice week one victory here for the Cardinals. I know they've been very hyped up. So as of uh, week one, they lived up to the hype. We'll see if they can do it for 16 games, but a nice game overall for them. Kyler Murray only had 233 yards through the air, a touchdown and an interception, but uh, had 13 carries and led the way on the ground with 91 yards and another score. So pretty solid fantasy day for Kyler Murray. That was uh, really saved by his ability on the ground there. Kenyon Drake had 16 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. Pretty solid day for him. Only two receptions for five yards through the air, but still a nice fantasy day for Kenyon Drake. Receiving wise DeAndre Hopkins came out and uh, as much as me and other people have said they're going to spread the targets out in week one they absolutely did not and DeAndre Hopkins reminded us all why he's a top five receiver in this league so he uh, he had a huge game 14 receptions for 151 yards on 16 targets so he was a target monster second in the NFL this week so big week for DeAndre Hopkins Uh, Behind him, not really much else to speak of. They did spread the ball around behind DeAndre Hopkins. A few guys with five targets. Christian Kirk had five targets, but only had one catch for no yards. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald and Chase Edmonds, also five targets, but nothing else really to write home about there. On the 49ers side, Jimmy G had a solid day, was QB 15 this week. 259 yards two touchdowns no interceptions more of just an efficient day for him Raheem Mostert led the day led the team on the ground 15 carries for 56 yards also led the team through the air four receptions 95 yards and chipped in a touchdown there so a nice day for him 150 total yards and a touchdown Uh, Tevin Coleman wasn't overly involved in this game, which I kind of figured going in with him dealing with that medical issue and the air quality. But, uh, you know, I expect Coleman to probably be more involved moving forward. Uh, Raheem, or not Raheem Mostert, Jarek McKinnon was actually pretty involved in this game too. He, uh, I, I didn't see the final snap percentage counts yet, but uh, McKinnon seemed to be on the field a decent amount, caught a few passes out of the backfield three for 20 and chipped in with a touchdown. So good to see that he's dealt with injuries and you always like to see a guy come back like that and have a little, at least find a little bit of success. Uh, George Kittle, just an eh kind of day, four receptions, 44 yards was tied for the team lead with five targets. They had one, two, three, four, five guys with five targets in this one, which was the team lead. Most Kittle, Kendrick Bourne, McKinnon and Trent Taylor. So uh, really spread the ball around here, but overall I'd say a nice win by the Cardinals. And this uh, NFC West is shaping out to be a fun one, especially considering a lot of people counting out the Rams, but they look solid as well last night. So this is going to be a really fun division.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I you know, are we doing the uh the seven playoff teams? Is that this year, or are yes. they putting that in? Yeah. yeah, I was thinking about it earlier today. It, I feel like every one of the, the teams in the NFC West can be the playoff, it can be in the playoffs, yeah. so, and, and that wouldn't surprise me at all. So, um, you know, definitely in, impressive there all across the board uh you know for for the Niners are really happy with Mostert he he put forth a very good game uh very involved and uh I I was happy to see him get involved in the passing game because you know they seem to have a lot of pass catching running backs there especially with McKinnon now coming back and uh for Mostert to get his opportunity he he wasn't very involved in the in the passing game in the last few years and uh I, I feel like if he can just even get those maybe three four receptions a game, you know the that that puts him up there. You know, similar to to Josh Jacobs that we were talking about, that that really gives him a, a nice boost. And um, you know, obviously leading rusher on the ground, uh, what do you say, fifteen carries, I believe. So that yeah. that's a very solid workload. Uh, it seemed to be. You know back and forth matchup so it wasn't like oh. they they were just cruising and and could rely on him or he He didn't get scripted out or anything like that. It, it was a nice game for him all around uh, I believe Kittle left in this game for a little bit and, and then you know, maybe came back later Maybe was held out. So yep. uh, Yeah, modest game for for him, uh, you know he, He's fine moving forward. Don't overreact and feel like you have to sell him or anything Uh this team looked like it was a, a team that was really missing its top receiver and Debo Samuel. And I just feel like whenever he comes back, you know, that's going to be a big boost to to this offense and being able to, you know, be more consistent and, and uh, you know, be a uh, more productive uh, across the board. Um, Arizona side, you know, definitely a, a, a great game. It seemed like they're, their hype it all kind of came through, uh, especially for Hopkins. He was just hyper-targeted all over the field. And, and he, he, you know, like you said, he, he proved why he, he was worth this trade for the team and, and, uh, was able to be, you know, talked about in the top five uh, receivers and, in, in uh, drafts, uh, this year. So, uh, yeah, he came out and he proved that him and, uh, uh, uh Devontae Adams, they, they very had, uh, uh they were the ones that, that really stuck out to me for receivers uh with with what they were able to do and just how many targets they got and, and what they were able to to do with them. Uh Hopkins almost had another touchdown. It, they ruled a mm-hmm. touchdown on the field, but he was just short. So, you know, take his uh his great Uh, receptions and and yards and and add another touchdown to it. And, and, uh, and he is very similar to what Adams did. So both of those guys are, are showing out. And I think this offense is going to be really fun to watch moving forward.
0: Yeah, I agree. Fun battle, lots of stuff to look forward to in the NFC West. Moving on to another division that should be interesting, the Tampa Bay Bucks and Saints. Saints controlled this game. I think the Buccaneers uh, proved they're not quite ready to contend with the big dogs yet. Saints took this one 34 to 23 on the Buccaneers side. Tom Brady had 239 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. One of them was a pretty bad pick six. Uh, that kind of really sealed the game. I mean the bucks were kind of flirting with coming back at that point and that for me personally just sealed it at that point. Uh, rushing on the ground, Ronald Jones, Led the way with 17 carries, really dominated the touches. Leonard Fournette, we didn't know what he was going to do. Only had five carries, so uh, really had a disappointing game. Only had five yards on those five carries. But Ronald Jones, as of right now, is the guy in Tampa Bay's backfield. Bruce Arians said that. Nobody believed him, but it was the truth. So only had 66 yards, so nothing impressive. But more of the theme there is, uh, you know, he's the, he's the guy right now. As of right now, that's the key. Uh, receiving wise, Chris Godwin led the way six receptions, 79 yards, uh, had the most targets on the team with seven, no touchdowns for him. Scotty Miller, I thought was pretty impressive. Tom Brady looked his way pretty frequently. He had six targets. Uh, five receptions for 73 yards in the post-game conference press conference, which I watch Tom Brady actually single uh, mentioned Scott Miller individually. So he was very impressed with him and we'll see how that shakes out in the offense is very pass happy. Scotty Miller's just an intriguing guy to monitor at this point. OJ Howard chipped in with a touchdown four receptions, 36 yards, Gronk was really quiet in this one, only two receptions for 11 yards, not very involved. Mike Evans dealing with that injury was on the field, uh, had a couple deep targets, drew a couple pass interference calls, which really helped the Bucks offense move along. They're struggling to move the ball at certain points, and it seemed like Brady was just trying to bomb it down the field and hope for a pass interference call. Got it a few times, but Evans did end up with a touchdown. That was his only catch on the day. It was a two-yard touchdown catch. So uh, semi-saved there. Not an impressive day with just over seven points, but better than uh, what it was prior to that. On the Saints side, Drew Brees didn't have to really do much in this one. Only uh, had 160 yards. Only 30 pass attempts, uh, two passing touchdowns, and that's impressive when the Saints can win a game where Drew Brees only has to pass the ball 30 times. On the ground, uh, Lat Murray actually led the way. He had 15 carries for 48 yards. Kamara right behind him, 12 carries. Didn't do much with those 12 carries, only 16 yards. Once again, another guy that saved his day through the air. Had a touchdown. Also had a touchdown on the ground. So he did have a two-touchdown day. But through the air, he led the way with eight targets, which led the team. Five receptions, 51 yards. Uh, the team leader in receiving yards was actually Jared Cook, who took advantage of that defense. 80 re- or 80. I keep saying receptions. 80 <laughs> yards on five receptions. Uh, seven targets, which was second on the team. A nice day for him. Michael Thomas, very quiet. Three receptions. 17 yards only five targets is dealing with a high ankle sprain uh, which just came out this afternoon so looks like he's going to be playing moving forward but those can be very challenging to deal with and I mean it's an impressive win for me for the Saints I mean the Bucks are still a good team even though they didn't play like it today Uh, Drew Brees only 160 yards Kamara was not good on the ground Uh, You know, they Michael Thomas, only 17 yards and they still won. So that says a lot to how talented and how good the Saints team can be.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was disappointed with with Michael Thomas. I was wondering if uh, if he was hurt beforehand, because it just Mm -hmm. why is he not getting targeted? I mean, I I don't. uh, I don't remember how many targets he had, but he had like three catches for just 17 yards. So it just, yeah. it felt like totally out of place. And then, uh, the, the, the ankle sprain had happened at the end of the game. So, I uh, you know, you really can't use that as why he played bad in this one, or at least didn't, you know, have a, a good stat, uh, stat line day uh but th- this shows that they're the the saints are just they can win in in a, a variety of ways they have a lot of good offensive pieces there i mean you know we've got michael thomas and and Kamara and uh Cook and they brought in Sanders and uh Murray's a good uh you know compliment back and then even Taysom hill gets involved and and you know we've seen him used all over the field before so you know, it's just a, a testament to this team just being able to win in multiple, uh, you know, mul- multiple facets. Like you said, Breeze only had to pass the ball uh, 30 times. Uh, on the other side, uh, I don't I got a lot of things to say about the, this Bucks team. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I'll start. I'm disappointed with Evans. I mean, I know he was coming coming in with an injury, but. You know, you're in the NFL, if if you're injured or not, you should be able to do more than one catch for one yard that just happened to be for a touchdown. <laughs> so it, it, it points-wise, it saved his day from just basically a zero. And, um, you know, I, I'm not as impressed with drawing pass interference calls for my fantasy team because <laughs> that doesn't give me no. points. But uh, beyond that, uh, Tom Brady, it's, you know... Uh, I thought they brought this guy in to not make these mistakes, mm. and uh, and Arians did too because he was very critical of of Brady right after the game. He blamed Brady for for both interceptions outright. He said oh. that that Mike Evans read the the coverage right, and that Brady uh, read it wrong and threw it to the wrong spot, which was you know he expected. Uh, Evans to go deeper down the field and Evans cut the route off shorter because of the the type of coverage that he saw. And so Arians straight up blamed Brady for that one. And then on the, the, the second one, he blamed Brady again for just making a bad decision and a bad throw. And, uh, so that was pretty, uh, pretty telling to me. And, uh, I, I believe I did hear this morning that he kind of retracted those comments and he, and he was like, you know, maybe making, some excuses to kind of go back and apologize for that. But I mean, the Arians has always been one to call it like he sees it. Like he, oh, yeah. he tried to tell us with the, what he was going to do on the running game and we just didn't want to believe him. <laughs> but um, so, th- so that's what really sticks out to me. He came out, he was very critical of Brady and uh, it, it just seems kind of weird that this, this organization, pushed aside a 26 year old quarterback that struggled with interceptions last year. Uh, you know, I'm not debating that, but he also threw for 5,000 yards and over 30 touchdowns as well. And uh, that's pretty hard to do. In, uh even in today's, you know, kind of pass happy league, it's pretty hard to do. And uh, they went out and they signed the 43 year old Brady. And I was debating this with one of my bucks fans uh, that I'm friends with uh, all off season. I I just I don't understand this move for the Buccaneers organization because how long is Brady going to play? And uh, uh, once he's done, uh, that's it. You don't have Winston anymore to to kind of fall back on. So I feel like once Brady's done, it's just you kind of have to reset again on this organization that, you know, uh, has all these good weapons and uh, a good, you know, young defense. And they're not really taking advantage of it. And I get it. It's one game but this was a big game and this was a a division rival. And I just think that this is going to be what Brady is going to be in store for in the NFC. And, uh, uh, he was used to just kind of cruise into six wins every year with his division, uh, for the past two decades. But, but now it's going to be a lot harder for him. And, uh, you know, I, I've never really been a, a big, you know, Brady fan. Um, so that, that's not really a, uh, it's not really a secret for me and I'm not saying that he can't do it, but it, you know, he, they were down 17, seven in this game, that interception made it a, a, a 17 point game. And again, this one just felt like the saints were cruising in this one. They really didn't have to throw the ball all around. They were just kind of executing and, and just moving the ball up and down the field on them. And, uh, you know, but Evans needs to play better. Brady needs to play better. And, uh, you know, they shouldn't have gotten rid of Winston, and I'm going to stick by those thoughts.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have more comments on Jameis Winston, but I this probably isn't the time for it. But I'm a little surprised <laughs> that, because I agree with the overall sentiment of what you said, and I'm surprised they didn't bring in just any sort of young option behind Brady this season. I think that was more surprising. It's one thing to move on from Jameis, but now the long-term outlook of the franchise is just questionable at best right now, unless they're playing on just continuing to sign veterans every uh, few years so well,
1: they signed rosen so i don't know how God, much of, no. of of like that they're gonna yeah, fall back on <laughs> but yeah i just uh like i said I, I know winston threw for 30 interceptions and whatnot but it's just uh, he's still developing he's a very young quarterback in the league and i uh, just for me to, to get rid of the 26 year old quarterback and go with the 43 year old one in hopes that he can kind of cut down the, the mistakes and the turnovers for your team and put you in a playoff position. I just think it, it, it was too brass just because they, they got kind of caught up in the name of Tom Brady, the, to, to really make sense of that kind of move. And like I said, it's just going to set them back. Even if they make the playoffs, which, um, uh, yeah, you know, spoiler alert I said I think the, the NFC West could have all the teams going in there I don't think the Bucks are making the playoffs and uh, you know I'll stick by that as long as I can but uh, <laughs> to me I just I they're they're in a tougher division Brady's 43 mm-hmm. years old he seems to have better weapons uh, than than what he's had maybe since you know back in 07 when he had boss and and Welker and, and those guys but uh, here he is again, throwing to the underneath, you know, white slot receiver. So it just—it's this is a. He <laughs> loves Scotty it,
0: Miller. <laughs>
1: exactly, it's the Julian Edelman type of thing all over again. Here they give him the big body receiver and and uh, Mike Evans, and they give him a a, a you know up and coming elite receiver and Chris Godwin, and he chooses to go for the you know the, the puny little slot guy. So you know <laughs> what what more c- can Brady ask for? Uh, He he gets his tight end back and hardly throws to him. So uh, I just have a lot of question marks for this offense and and this team in general, uh, mainly focused on Brady moving forward.
0: As of right now, Tom Brady is on pace to throw more interceptions than Jameis Winston. I know. I'm so (laughs) happy with that. (laughs) But uh, let's move on to the last game here, which was the Sunday night game last night. The Cowboys and Rams, pretty close contest the entire way out, back and forth here. Rams ended up taking it 20-17. to 17. Cowboys kind of shot themselves in the foot at the end of the day, uh, even though there was a pretty bad call. Even as a Rams fan, it was a bad call at the end of the game there. But the Cowboys still shot themselves in the foot by uh, not kicking a field goal in the red zones, which would have tied the game at that point. But let's go through the box score here on the Cowboys side of things. Dak threw for 266 yards and a touchdown just a solid game for him Zeke uh, really was the fantasy star for the Cowboys 22 carries 96 yards and a touchdown also contributed 31 yards through the air and another touchdown so a nice two touchdown game for Zeke to open up the season uh, receiving wise Amari Cooper led the way with 14 targets 10 receptions and 81 yards Dak was definitely looking his way pretty frequently in this one CD lamb was actually second five receptions. On six targets and 59 yards, uh, which I think is a pretty promising start for him. Uh, I'll be interested to see how they continue to use him in the offense moving forward. I mean, he's a guy that moves all over the field. He's not just a slot guy, so he was really moving all over. And I think that's promising for him moving forward. On the Rams side of the ball, Jared Goff didn't really have a nice fantasy day if you had to play him in a 2QB league. 275 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. Uh, The story more is on the ground as of right now. Uh, Malcolm Brown, who's probably going to be number probably the number one hottest pickup of the week right along. I think Josh Kelly is going to be up there as well. But Malcolm Brown will probably be number one. Really nice day for him. 18 carries, 79 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, More surprising for me personally was he was actually involved in the passing game. He uh, had three receptions for 31 yards and four targets and Cam Akers only had one target. So uh, I was a little surprised by Malcolm Brown's passing game usage, which I think is really uh, promising for his fantasy outlook. So, I mean, he had over 100 total yards, two touchdowns. As a Rams fan, I really liked uh, how he was running last night. He was hitting the holes hard and uh, Cam Akers, I think, has a lot of work to do. He did still have 14 carries, though cam Akers, that is didn't do a lot with them only 39 yards so he's definitely going to be involved in this offense and he's just got to be more effective with those carries because the rams offensive line was actually opening up holes for once last night and uh, really this one was on cam acres receiving wise robert woods led the way had eight targets six receptions and 105 yards. Jared Goff looking his way pretty frequently. They ran a lot of bootlegs specifically for Robert Woods, very involved overall. Tyler Higbee was second, had four targets, three receptions and 40 yards uh, Gerald Everett did go down. We'll see if, how serious it is, but we saw how Tyler Higby was last season when Gerald Everett went down, so Higby definitely <laughs> is going to be a guy that you can uh, probably plug in your lineup moving forward if uh, Everett's to miss more time. Cooper Cup had a pretty quiet game overall. Had a few third down conversions, but uh, not a great fantasy day. Four receptions, 40 yards, nothing special there. So I'll uh, kick it over to you. I, I'm i pretty excited about this one, but what do you have? What notes you have? I'm interested um, to see your thoughts on Malcolm Brown because I've seen many opinions today on him. Well, uh, I should have stuck to my
1: opinion a, a little harder because uh, I'll take the mini victory lap on Malcolm Brown. I just... This was a. This is one of those situations that I really wanted the preseason to kind of see because I didn't expect the them to bring in a, a rookie running back and uh, just focus on him right out the gate. It it takes a lot to start in this league and it takes a lot of hard work. There's only a a few teams that kind of or a few players that kind of you know get drafted and then come out right away and and are are uh, kind of penciled or locked in as a starter, but. You know, so I was kind of high a little bit on on Malcolm Brown, just kind of wondering, you know, I don't think this is going to be DJ Henderson. He didn't really show much. And I don't think it's going to be a rookie that that is going to come out and flash right away. And uh, and I was kind of right. So uh, this system is what produces a really good running back. So whoever is going to be the top running back for the system uh, is going to be very valuable. And uh, right now it's going to be Malcolm Brown. Uh, I think a lot of people are still expecting uh, Akers to kind of take over at some point. And if that happens, then I think he'll be very, uh, very valuable. But for right now, I mean, I I believe he got like over 20 carries and almost 100 yards. So he got like the Josh Jacobs workload and um, involved in the receiving game, got two touchdowns. So it's just for for Rams running back to come out this is what you wanted although people wanted it from Cam Akers but I mean this is what the uh, McVay running back system is going to give you and that's why I think it's so valuable and and I really like Malcolm Brown going forward uh and and like I said I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't really stick to that opinion and and really pick up some more shares of him but like I said, I think the lack of preseason really contributed to that because I feel like we would have had the answer to this question of who's the Rams running back going to be if we were able to see some preseason games and kind of get a, a sense of, of how they're splitting up time. So uh, moving forward, I, I would agree. I think Malcolm Brown is probably going to be the, the number one pickup this week.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think with good reason too, I mean, the reality is, and I said this to a few people today is if he continues to produce like he did last night, why are you going to stop giving him the ball? Exactly. I mean, that's the reality of it, you know, and mm-hmm. as much as they took Cam Akers and I mean, I don't know how many people watched the whole game through, but I really was not impressed with Cam Akers. He does <laughs> my number one pet peeve for running back. He dances in the hole. It's like the Rams were opening up wide open lanes and he's like, juke it. You're like, the only person you're juking is yourself. I mean, there's a hole right there. Malcolm Brown doesn't mess around. He takes the ball, and he's not a guy that's going to break open very many 50-yard runs, but he just gets chunk play, you know, five yards, six yards, you know, just time and time again. And he's a guy that can wear defenses down. So I was really happy. That's the first time he's really gotten an opportunity He's gotten some goal line work here and there with Todd Gurley, but this was the first time he was kind of the man in a game, and I was impressed too. I was happy with it. I hope he can keep that moving forward because this entire offense revolves around a strong running back because if they don't have play action, then this isn't going to be pretty. So. I was re- very encouraged by it, and uh, not that I'm spending every dollar that I have of my FOB budget on Malcolm Brown, because you do have to recognize if he does slip up a little bit that Cam Akers is waiting in the wings. So, uh, but at this point, Malcolm Brown is—I uh, mean, he's a star. He's probably an RB two at this point, so mm-hmm. uh, w- with a little bit of upside depending on the matchup. So, I—I uh, I was very happy with it. Uh, any other notes that you want to make on this game or? Uh, this
1: game, uh, I was good. I was happy with, uh, Robert Woods. I feel like he's the one in this offense and, uh, you know, the, going back to the running back situation, I, I started this team out in like July and uh, I was really excited for both Woods and, and Cup just because I feel like they're going to be heavily involved, especially off of play action. And then I, I was kind of like, what do you what do I do for the running back situation? How do you how do we divvy this up? And and I think for the most part, it's going to be one guy. And this is going to be Malcolm Brown for, for the time being that, it, that is going to get the, the majority of the work there. And um, so that's just going to be a benefit to him if they can keep that going and keep the play action going. I think this is a really good offense. And, uh, you know, golf is a safe start uh, seemingly every week. I mean, he kind of didn't pay off this week. He he didn't reach the end zone. But uh, at the same time, it's he's going to be efficient. Uh, with with Cup and and with Woods, and you know we'll we'll see how the tight end situation plays out with with Everett uh, p- uh, possibly missing time. On the Cowboys side, it, it, the offense goes through Zeke. I mean, you know that's no surprise, uh, but it's it's just kind of a a reconfirmation with that, even though they added uh, Ceedee Lamb and they have a really good wide receiver core. This offense goes through Zeke, and and i I'm happy to kind of see that because. Of them uh, losing Jason Garrett, I know Jason Garrett has kind of been tied at the hip uh, to Zeke and really featured him in, in his offenses. And so that was a little bit of my concern coming in if, if he was going to retain the same workload. And it, he seems to have done so. Uh, Dak, you need him to play better. You drafted him to be a top uh, quarterback and. And although he he didn't kill you in this game, you, you just want him to be better. I mean, I think I saw the stat. He was, he was one for seven on third downs or something like that. Uh, He he was just not efficient when you needed him to be efficient. And, um, I mean, you, uh, I was telling you guys about this in the chat during the game. I I don't agree with that fourth and three call at all. Uh, at, at that point in the game, there was about six or seven minutes left, maybe a little bit more. And, um, you needed to tie up the game in that in that point. So uh, dumb. There, there's no re- maybe if you were behind by four, I can get behind that because you don't mm-hmm. know how many chances you're gonna get left, and the field goal kind of does you nothing. But to tie up the game, I mean that changed the outcome of the game because now the the Rams uh, took over at that spot and and I was telling you they they're just going to continue the system that they did all game and and run the ball down and they were very efficient with it. They put together a 5-minute drive. They kind of stalled around midfield, but uh, they did their job. They they chewed 5 minutes off the clock and they punted the the uh, Cowboys back down deep and at that point in the game it just it, that was killer for them. The The Cowboys needed to take the field goal. And, and I know a lot of, you know, advanced metrics people are going to talk about. It's, it's more easier to go for the f- fourth down and you're going to get it more, more often than not. But you got to understand the situation of the game. When you, when you're behind by three in the fourth quarter, you kick that field goal. I mean, cause that was the difference in the game. Uh, they, they came down, the call was iffy. It, it felt like he, he pushed out, it seemed, uh, the replays definitely showed me that, that Ramsey kind of embellished it a little bit. And, and that's a little bit of my knock on Ramsey. He makes some great plays. He made that great play on, uh, on Cooper that I think it was. And then a, a couple of times, you know, running up for some tackles, but, uh, Ramsey kind of, kind of plays that, you know, that, that little bit of the, you know, kind of LeBron, I guess that, that he kind of gets that reputation for, for taking the fall sometimes. And, um. So that's, that's what that call was to me. I, I feel like he, he did, he definitely did good job acting on it. I think watching it in slow motion, uh, you probably don't throw the flag there, but, uh, r- real time, it, it kind of looked like he was pushed. So, you know, credit to Ramsey. He sold it. Uh, he, he sold it pretty well. Uh, there was the, it is kind of, you know, karma, I guess you can say, because on a golf interception, he got he got hit in the face as he was throwing the ball that, that didn't draw a flag. So, you know, I I think the Cowboys deserve to lose that game with that play call because the play call itself. I mean, even if you get past the part that you're going to go for it on fourth down, run a route that's going to get you the first down. Why don't you? Uh, I mean, Dak throws it underneath to, to CeeDee Lamb who's two yards down the field on fourth and three, you know, you're going to have tight coverage. If you're going to try to just ignore all logic and, and go for it, at least make sure you're beyond the first down marker before you throw the ball or, you know, uh, for, for lamb, take that two, two extra steps and then you're there. So I don't agree with the call. I think that call lost some of the game. And uh, uh, so, so moving forward, uh, I I feel like, you know, the Cowboys were in this game. I feel like they, they did get outplayed a, a little bit from time to time. Uh, so so I don't expect them to just kind of go away. But they missed an opportunity to win this game or, or at least to tie it up. And, and I mm-hmm. think, you know, maybe the result would have been different if, if they put themselves in that position. But uh, they chose not to.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll say with that play call, I think that's more of a rookie wide receiver not understanding where the chains are. I mean, I'm assuming the play call is to go at least to get you the first down, and CeeDee Lamb just didn't run it deep enough, so... Uh, I mean, you never know. That would be my assumption, especially with a rookie wide receiver running that route. But, uh, I mean, I'll take the victory still. Like, I mean, I agree with you 100% with the field goal. I mean, that's one of those, if I was a Cowboys fan, I would be bashing my head against the wall. Absolutely. Because it would be different if the Rams were winning, you know, we'll say... 23 to 17 at that point you know okay you're a touchdown away you don't know how many opportunities you're gonna get okay cool go for it but i mean you're gonna tie the gate this game probably should have went to overtime realistically at least so uh, i 100 percent agree with you one of the interesting things i was just looking at from a fantasy point of view here malcolm brown was the fifth scoring uh, ppr running back this week uh, Naheem Hines was number four. So I just think it's funny. Those two guys are in the top five. <laughs> if you, uh, bet on that, you're probably a millionaire right now, but, uh, <laughs> it's definitely uh impressive performance from both of those guys. And I guess to wrap it up, is there anything that sticks out to you that was really surprising or any other questions you're looking to have answered or anything else on your mind about this week? Uh, I mean, not too many, uh, uh questions, I suppose it's just, uh,
1: you know, my bold thing, I don't think, uh, Brady and the, and the bucks are going to make the playoffs. Uh, I don't feel like, um, uh, I don't feel like the, the Cowboys put themselves in a position to win that game. Uh, just, and I've seen that kind of over the league as well. Just a, a lot of, you know, questionable decisions from coaches. I mean, I've mentioned some of them not giving the ball to McCaffrey on a fourth and inches with a minute to go, um, going with, uh, uh Naheem Hines to take a, a fourth down carry instead of Jonathan Taylor is is perplexing to me. But um uh, you know, d- yeah, it was a fun week. We're getting ready to to watch the the Monday night games here in just yeah. a couple minutes because it's uh it's getting close to, to seven o'clock on the uh, on the East Coast. So we got some uh, two games tonight. Uh do you have any guys going tonight? Who who do you need uh, to have a good game for you to kinda come out victorious in some of your matchups?
0: I have Deontay Johnson quite a few times here, so I don't know if I need any big, I think in a few leagues I have him paired uh, with Barkley. So I need just a solid game from Deontay, like eight or nine points would probably put me in a decent spot. I have Barkley a few times. Uh, Deonte is definitely the number one guy. Uh, later in the night I have Derek Henry. Um, that's really the only uh, Noah fan. I have a few times, but really, yeah, Deontay Johnson's a big one. For me personally, and uh, yeah, I'm looking for. I mean, I love Monday night doubleheader, so I mean, I'm personally excited for. I'm not as much of a night owl as you, but I'll become one for football. <laughs> I mean, that's a reality for me, so. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I'm excited for tomorrow, too. We're going to have our waiver episode coming out, which I'll plug that quickly. I love the waiver wire. I think it's, for me as a fantasy player, it's probably one of the areas which I pay attention to the closest, because you know, the reality is, if you have a bad draft, you really can make up for it if you play the waiver wire the right way and stream the right guys week to week. I've had Mm -hmm. some pretty pitiful teams, and I've drafted terribly before, and I think everybody's had a draft that's turned out bad, but but I've won the championship in the end. And that's just based on streaming. And I mean, I've legitimately won a league where I didn't have a starting quarterback. I streamed every single week (laughs) just because I, you know, I drafted poorly or I had injuries and there's so many variables. So I think it's one of the most important pieces of in-season management. So I'm looking forward to that one.
1: Cool, yeah. I mean, uh, some good games on tonight. Obviously, uh, my Steelers are are coming up here in a little bit, so I'm hoping you know they can pull out a a, a win here. Um, in one of my my family league, I'm a point behind, but I have Connor and he's got Barkley, so both of those guys are are playing in the, in the first game, and then I have the Titans defense. So uh, I'm hoping ah. Connor can get me more uh, to which point I can bench the defense, bench but. Yep. But uh, it'll be close. I mean, I I think I did see a couple notes here as we were going through that, that Tate's not going to be playing in this game, as well as Anthony McFarland was uh, uh, an inactive for this game. So uh, that that's the biggest things. I also saw earlier today that Sutton was was a long shot to play, yep. so we might not be seeing him tonight. Uh, So fire up Jerry Judy if you were kind of on the fence and and, and you went for it. Uh, He he seems to be in a a position to put in a nice game.
0: Yep. Yeah, for sure. So we'll have uh, I'm excited for our second week of uh, podcasting and we'll be going live a few times this week as well. So make sure you keep up with everything on the Mafia's page if you don't like it. Uh, also, there's been a billion posts on the hot spot, which is fantastic. Lots of questions there. Keep that going. As always, make sure you subscribe on YouTube. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All of our content goes up there. So uh, lots of good stuff coming up. We appreciate the support and the listens. And we'll see everybody next time.